Do we do this as we a are like, scene, or do we just do this as a, a ranty episode? We're just going to have today. Today's episode is Danny and John rant about really annoying shit we see in the productivity and creator world. That's that's Ta- the title. Talking about productivity and education. Mm, yes, yes. First of all, I'm going to start. I made a um. A really respectful, wonderful little reel the other day because I do reels now. Don't ask me why. And I'm going to dive deeper down into how much the I kids. Really, I is down with the kids. Yep, yep. Got to be on TikTok next. I got uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm pretty much out. Reels is just TikTok for Instagram. Um, so that was this wonderful email that I received uh, two days ago, ish, approximately. Where someone was saying, the title of the uh, like email was, "If you're feeling overwhelmed, you should be doing this." And I was like, "Oh, okay. What's he going to talk about? Okay, let's see what they're going to talk about." If you're feeling overwhelmed, you need to prioritize. The silence for people on the audio podcast is me glaring into the camera in rage, quiet rage. Because I'm beyond the ranty and I'm just in quiet rage. So let me go into ranty. Otherwise, this audio podcast is going to (laughs) suck. Audio podcast of John ranting is just him staring furiously at the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Around the concept of, and, and this drove me insane. Because if you're overwhelmed, you're already trying to over prioritize. Chances are. And you're trying to do it in your head which means you're doing too much pre-crastination. Yes. Yeah. Danny kinda. feels better now because someone's kinda actually mentioned it. Yeah. Well, so, and, and so, and so the first, uh, keep going. I have fucking finished. Um, the first, <laughs> I, th- I thought you were done. Cause you one said day, my name. I was like, Oh, one day we will have an episode that doesn't go up with an explicit tag. <laughs> one day. Yeah. Nah. No, never. Nah. Nah. So much that Google doesn't let us. You can't actually look for our podcast without being signed in. It's great. <laughs> Yay. Okay, as I was saying. Yeah, it is. It normally is. If you're feeling overwhelmed, the last thing you need to do right now is prioritize. You need to get it out your head. Because what's happening, which you probably already know if you listen to this podcast, but just in case you don't is you're trying to do too much in your head. So write it down, get it out of your head first, start with it getting out of your head, then move on to the prioritization, which becomes far simpler when you can see how much you actually have. And chances are you're doing too much, meaning you have to cut cut some things. You have to decide which ones to get rid of. But no, just prioritize. (laughs) Because it's generalized advice, which sucks and is not actually helpful. If we could prioritize, we wouldn't be overwhelmed. But if you're trying to prioritize in your head, after a certain amount, then it does vary per person, obviously, because, you know, 
depending on where you are, what you're doing, what your context is, how you're feeling. How you're feeling has an effect. Sometimes I can have four things in my head and I am bloody overwhelmed because I'm thinking, because emotions are in the way. Like, just prioritizing does not help. Stop it. Stop it. I mean, the way I see a lot of this advice, uh, I'm going to relate this to something I think most people can relate to, um, is I want to get more fit. Go to the gym. <laughs> just, just hands off, hands off. Um, yeah, I might have to cut that bit out because that was that was nasty on my ears. Um, yeah, so go to the gym. Go to the gym is like the, the bit of advice, like oh, you're 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 unhealthy, or you want to get more healthy, or you want to be get a six pack. Ugh. Um, and yeah, go to the gym. You need more. Need, need you need more. <laughs> you can't just tell someone to go to the gym. And I think telling someone to prioritize is just telling them something that I think they already know. Like everyone knows they need to prioritize. It's just how do you do that? What do you prioritize? When do you do that? Uh, and and making those decisions is where I think the advice actually is useful. But that that's not what people actually give you. They don't give you useful advice. They just give you generalized statements, which obviously gets loads of likes. Um, some people may have seen on Twitter that I'm I'm curious to see what all the illustrations and stuff is about. And I'm looking at the illustrations. I've retweeted a few of them. And the illustrations are just like the advice. They are so blanket and general that you sit there and go, what about that? Um, what about that? What about like any of these like thousands of millions of people <laughs> that this doesn't come true to? And it, it really irritates irritates me when it comes to like the advice and stuff. Uh, and when with the procrastination word uh, that I mentioned earlier, procrastination is not procrastination. They are different things. Procrastination is when you do something early on. So you do something to basically get it out the way. And a lot of people tend to do procrastination to avoid procrastination, but they both lead to the same thing overload <laughs> procrastination oh shit i don't have enough time i'm going to have to cram it all in procrastination oh i don't want to deal with procrastination let's do it all now no <laughs> no uh, i see you smiling yeah i'm just agreeing i, I just uh i cannot wait i think i made a tweet about this the other day this whole web 3.0 thing I hope it transitions into being more people giving nuance and context. I'm so tired of the generalized cookie cutter advice. It's just, it's, it's just, it has its place, but it's too much of it. There is no nuance to anything anymore. It's just the case because, of like, yeah, go on. I was gonna say, I think because there is so much information now, general advice is just everywhere. You, you can't not to see it. Reaching statements is what I call them. Reaching statements are everywhere. You get reaching statements from all over Twitter, all over social media, all over wherever. They're, they're just, you can't avoid them. But what you actually need are the pieces of advice that you'd get from professionals, which obviously professionals are doing their job, doing whatever, whether that's a, a psychologist, a coach, a mentor, teacher, whoever. But those professionals aren't giving nuanced advice because you can't give nuanced advice to a massive audience. What you can do, though, is make people aware of the different nuances so they can go and find out for themselves about the specific area that they need to focus on because not everyone is going to focus on everything and i mean this is um, for those unfamiliar with derek miller's work veritasim um derek miller's work on uh, misconceptions 
essentially everyone has a prior belief, a prior knowledge, and we go into every situation with that prior prior beliefs and knowledge being experiences. We all have a, a we all think we know stuff because we've experienced life, and then we go into something and go, oh, actually, maybe that's not quite true. But those misconceptions, there are going to be loads of them, absolutely loads of them. And if you're not aware of the misconceptions you're making, well, you can't do anything about it. So, and, and, and that's where I think the content comes in. The content should be making people aware of misconceptions, not giving them the same advice that they already know from prior knowledge because they will just go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that, and then move on without actually doing anything. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> this is actually something... Um, I have to move my mic because I knocked it. Yeah, I heard the static a little bit, but it was okay. It's okay. Uh, cool, <laughs> so... I've been experiencing this. I'm I'm building a product now for business owners around choosing the right solutions for them instead of just coming on Facebook and crowdsourcing productivity advice and crowdsourcing tech advice. I'm working on a digital product that actually goes, hey, ask yourself these questions so that you have an understanding of what you actually need. And even then, I'm like, okay, how can I make sure that I capture the nuance? Because that's what's missing in every single blog, article, YouTube video that is commonly, you know, viewed. The context is always missing. I really do enjoy, Danny, what you're doing with your videos now, where you have mini Danny with context. I really enjoy that. And I hope more creators take that on board to have context sensitive thoughts and the actual process of thinking, because I think we're reaching a point on the Internet where people stop thinking. So. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We did say it was a ranty episode. Yeah, um, th this comes down to education, educational science, teaching, coaching, mentoring, etc. And people not knowing how to do it or what to do. Uh, Veritasium, Derek Muller did, he's done a PhD on it. That's the PhD I've been reading through his channel and other related channels that he's spoken to, because you can see it in the content, build their their conversation in the video, even though it's a linear video, they build it off of misconceptions, off of conceptions people have had. So they challenge people's beliefs, which get them thinking. They do it through either conversation, so dialogue, or they do it through explicitly saying, okay, this is what science says. This is what a lot of people think. Here is the challenge. And he does that through video. So asking people questions in public and then them looking silly. Uh, and he does that very well, but he's done a PhD on educational science. So he should understand what's going on. Uh, and he understands a lot of the science behind it as well. So cognitive load theory, the work, uh, the work, the worked examples effect and all the other different effects that are related because he's done the research. Most other creators haven't done the research and they say they've done the research, but they haven't. Uh, this science says this, research says that. Where's the science? Where's the research? Tell me, show me, please. Otherwise I call bullshit. Um, and they, they talk about all this stuff as if they know it, but they don't. It's their experiences. And that's the prior knowledge. And they, they are the conceptions that people are making. And they are common conceptions people are making. And they are sharing the common conceptions, not the actual truth, which well, I say the actual truth. There isn't an actual truth. It's science. But the more evidence-based truth um, from science because they haven't actually done the research. Finding one paper that confirms what you're saying is confirmation bias. That's, that's literally the definition of confirmation bias. So you saying science says 
no bullshit confirmation bias find more than one paper that confirms what you're thinking and find a paper to see if it contradicts something or maybe there's nuance or can or different contexts actually have different opinions or different findings i mean the, a, a, an easy example in most research is there are gender differences whether the gender differences are true or not oh I've, I've turned myself off apparently whether the gender differences are true or not doesn't like it, it doesn't massively impact wow i'm literally i'm literally completely gone and i have no idea why so that was a fun interlude yeah i have no idea I, yeah don't know technology technology don't like it I forgot what I was ranting about now. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I forgot. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't at all. I was I was ranting about the uh, the education, educational science and stuff, and people not citing what they what they learn. Um, are you going to say something or? No, carry on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, one one of the examples that I was going to bring up was a video that I recently watched, which I was talking about before the episode started, before we had loads of technical issues, um, was there was a video that said scientifically proven. I thought, oh, let's have a look. <clears throat> so I went into the description immediately. I didn't even watch the video to start with. I went into the description to bring up the scientific papers. They had seven references. One of them was an academic paper, which was from 2013, which is done, which is the Dunlosky paper from educational science, which is fine. It's a meta-analysis. It's quite good, but it does state quite clearly in the uh, in the paper that the limitations are that well, there's no nuance, there's limited context. And when you put some of these things together, then the conclusions and like interpretations can actually be changed. But that's in the limitations section, which some people overlook, which if you're going to cite a paper, at least read it, please. Um, then the other <coughs> six references, yeah. <laughs> then the other six references, four of them didn't work. The, the, the links just didn't work. So I had to try and find the papers, um, but they weren't papers. They hadn't linked academic papers. They'd linked blog posts that people had oh. taken down. But that's not science, that's blog posts. Um, and then the other two papers, uh, no, and the other paper that was up, was well, it wasn't a paper. Uh, the other link that worked was a blog post, was their own blog post. What, you, you can't cite yourself as a scientific, like, <laughs> reference. That's like, no, just, just no, you can't do that. And so this scientifically backed referenced uh, video um, was actually from one paper. And I'm like, okay, great. Uh, and the, t the techniques and the tools that they that they spoke about in this video, out of the five, one of them was from the paper. The other four weren't. And the other four techniques that they used aren't scientifically backed. One of them being the Feynman technique, which I'm not going to rant about, but oh my God. Like if you're going to put the Feynman technique in a study video, at least like look at any research. Um, just, just go into Google Scholar, type in Feynman technique and three articles come up and they're crap articles. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so, and, and this video has millions of views. This channel has millions of views. It's scientifically black, blah, blah, blah. You, no, no, it's a load of It's a load of rubbish. And they're, they're reinforcing conceptions, like beliefs that aren't true, that aren't right. And loads of people in the comment section saying, oh yeah, that's so right. Oh yeah, that's so true. Oh yeah, I relate with that. Yeah, you relate with that probably because you're not a very good student. Sorry, but it's probably a fact. If you're relating to something that doesn't work, that we know doesn't work, and you're watching a video about study techniques, and you're relating to it, you're probably not a very good student, or you're new, in which case you're still not very good, like most students when they're new in academics aren't very good. I, I myself was absolutely atrocious as a student until 
well, I'm still not that great, <laughs> but I'm, I'm learning. I'm still learning. But yeah, so small little rant. Like if, if, you, if someone says scientifically backed and the science doesn't say anything to do with the video, it's not scientifically backed. They're doing it for clickbait and marketing. You're right now. No, I'm still seething. Yeah, and, it, and it's it completely defeats the point of information. Like sharing information, you share information that's scientifically backed. No, it's not scientifically backed. So you're sharing your opinions. Great. Say you're sharing your opinion. Yeah, I was about to make that point earlier. Yeah, if you are, <clears throat> if you can't find good papers, that's fine. Just say it's an opinion. Just say it's your thoughts. These are my views. This is my viewpoint. This is what I believe. This is my belief from my context, from this space where I'm in, from my own like experience. It's not scientifically backed. And the thing is, experience is part of science. Like it, it's yes. not, it's not not science. It's just all the way down the bottom of the hierarchy. If you're going to trust something, you want to trust a peer-reviewed meta-analysis. That's that's gold standard. And the bottom, all the way at the bottom of that pyramid. It's anecdotal experience, but it's still part of science. So you saying that you are scientifically backed, the blah, 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 but you're not, puts even more distrust from me anyway into your opinion because you're trying to claim it's science when it's not. It's anecdotal experience, which makes me think, oh, okay, if you're trying to make it sound like you're sciencey, but it's not, are you just making things up because you think that's good advice? And if you are, stop. Just, just don't. If you're making things up because you think it might be good advice, go away. You're making people's lives harder. You're making them give, like, have loads of choices, loads of different exposure to loads of different things that they really don't need. So stop. <laughs> and 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 it just to wing off that one a little bit, making them feel like there's something wrong. Because if they don't resonate with the Pomodoro technique, like me, or they don't resonate with, or don't feel that the Feynman technique is very effective like me, because it's not called the Feynman Technique, because it's not made by Feynman, but we'll, we'll just let Danny go on that one in a minute, then you just end up feeling like there's something wrong, because all we're doing is regurgitating the same fucking crap over and over again. Yes. And this... people end up feeling like they're like, well, this doesn't resonate with me. I just need to get better. Because someone says scientifically back. I think we touched on this in one of the previous episodes around how much responsibility we have as a content creator and how we have responsibility to our audience to be really clear. It's something that I really am focusing on as I'm shifting what I'm talking about and as I'm talking more and talking from a place of leadership versus just a dude sat here on his chair but let's be real that's the same thing it's like i am very sensitive to what i say because productivity business or personal it is completely and utterly personal is built from your own shared lived experiences your own traumas your own life and business is so damn hard it is just hard there is no like yes of course it's fun and you do what you love but just because you do what you love doesn't make it easy very true. Just because you do what you love does not make it easy. There are still, and it, it upsets me when I watch YouTubers talking about burnout and everyone in the comments is like, oh, well, you're so lucky because you get. Well, it's different for you because. 
No, it's not. Still hard. Still a lot of hard work. Still a lot of hard stuff that you've got to go through. Just because your experience is not the same as them, just because you think if you were just to sit there and make YouTube videos, you'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. You know why? Because you're not freaking doing it. So shut up and sit down. Because it's so horrible. Like, yes, running a business has a lot of wonderful and amazing experiences where I can choose when to work. I can choose when I'm coming in here. I have chosen to come in on a Saturday to come and record this podcast. I love that choice. I can go in, uh, I think it was literally last week or this week. Don't even remember. Dates, times, whatever. Last week, I spent an in, I spent most of my day sat in the living room with my wife on her birthday playing a game we both like because I have the choice to be able to do that. However, the reason I have those ability, that ability to do that is because I did a lot of stuff that was hard. I worked at it for a while. No, not everything has to be hard. Not everything has to be difficult. But as I said in a recent podcast that I on my channel, on my podcast, on my channel podcast, same thing, really. I have a channel with the podcast episodes on it. As I recently said, Sometimes you have to do really hard things that you're not going to enjoy. Some things you just have to do because that's part of being in business until you get to a point where you can outsource it. And even when you outsource it, sometimes that doesn't mean anything. It still is hard because you have to explain what you're doing. Because if you don't know what you're doing, how are you going to explain it to a member of your team? Anyway, other rant for another time. But it is still hard. Business is probably one of the hardest forms of personal development there is out there. Because you are so on your own and stupid idiots because they are stupid idiots who go out there and spread stupid information and just follow the crowd and don't think should not be doing it. They should not be doing it because it harms people. Because there are people out there without your context, without your understanding, who think there's something wrong with them. I am frequently apologized to by my clients. I'm sorry I didn't do this in the way you did. Good, don't. Is it working? Yes, then why are you apologizing? That's my job. My job is to help you find the way that works, not to give you a solution, not to just come in there and and wail in with my system and the way that I work and give it to you because that's not how it really works. And unfortunately, I'm going to call out, you know, Notion certified people here we need to step up because we need to stop just giving them cookie cutter solutions and telling them how to think and help them think. I don't know but the behind the scenes and most other things, but I have a good idea because how business is designed is to scale. And the only way to scale is to have one way of working and scale it up. And that sucks because it gives Notion a bad name and it gives productivity a bad name and it gives systems a bad name. And people are and people are also selling notion to people who should just never touch it. I but have they get money. Turned... Hmm? But they so? get money. The, the consultants get money from it though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do get money. And if that's what you care about, then fine. And, and but you are I was gonna say, but... I think that is the I think that is the big crux with that point. What is the consultant, creator, individual sharing of the thing? What is their goal? Is it to help people or is it to earn money? Yes, there needs to be a balance. Yes. That's a, that's a moral dilemma between each consultant. However, yeah, and, and I'll poke at that a little bit because that's a really good point. Yes, you've got to make money, but you don't have to make money at the expense of others. It's not one or the other. 
it's not this or that it's either you like you can still make a lot of money and a good solid amount of money, a lot of money by giving a shit about people instead of just funneling them through a one-way street in fact frankly you can make more money by actually helping them because you'll be dedicating more time which means you can charge if you're just doing time for you know doing that you can charge more because it takes more time i know it's what i do my entire business is predicated on the idea that there is not one way to work i have an incredibly open package to help people figure out what they need because when people come to me they often don't know what they need they don't have it clearly defined in their head and without clearly defining what's in their head oh my god they're in trouble they're going to just sit there and constantly have that layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of guilt i am a failure because i haven't achieved this because i can't be productive what the hell does that even mean and i'm going to say that nearly every episode because i'm so tired of these words that are being used and no one actually knows what they mean have you ever looked at the section yeah have you ever looked at like the meaning of the word productive because i i looked it up because i was doing a workshop which never went live it was it's very interesting like where the word and i'm gonna load up my obsidian to make sure i define it correctly comes from industry hmm comes from industry doesn't it yes originally it came from industry and and the word itself here we go i'm gonna grab it so i make sure i do it right so the current dictionary definition is achieving a significant amount or result how vague is that and that's why people feel like crap all the time where they feel they're not productive enough productivity is not being organized it's not getting shit done it's really interesting so the word product productivity the word is serving to produce that's what productivity means that's the etymology of the word now then you look then you look at the etymology of the word produce because that's obviously part of it serving to produce well, produce, I just, just, I love it. The word produce, I really hate the fact I've got to press E. Yeah. Is the, the Proto-Indo-European, like, stem of it is to lead. Serving to lead. How fascinating is that? Now, that's still a little bit airy and how do we define leadership and and moving and all that lovely stuff it it is still a word but there are other parts to that of like to develop to to proceed to extend to lengthen out the whole point of productivity is to bring forward to promote to empower to stretch out to extend i'm reading it from here like to bring that's what product that's where it comes from That's what the actual meaning of the word is. And yet we've changed it to this meaning of organized and get shit done. Capitalism, obviously. (laughs) Capitalism, but it's true. If we can redefine that to serving to lead, to bring forward and empower ourselves instead of 
being more productive or just getting more shit done to be more productive is to keep moving forward that's the way that to put it into a tangible thing that you can use instead of the posh lovely etymology language and words because i love them it's it's to bring this forward it's to bring it for i've kind of fucked this entire segment of words have meaning by actually just talking about it before we even started discussing it <laughs> don't care but it just upsets me because people end up feel like they're not productive well as long as you're moving forward you're productive that is that that is the only definition that needs to matter are you moving forward are you taking steps every day yes then who cares and guess what resting and not working is still taking steps forward you're going to now go on a on a discussion around i can tell where this is conversation because you talk about rest quite nicely so passing over to you I could have gone in so many different tangents and so many different areas. Of that. I'm directing like, you here because I want you to talk about rest from a like sports psychology thing. Because okay. um, I find yes. that really interesting. Well, rest, active rest, and recovery. Recovery. Mm. So there was actually an article that I've um, that I explored. I believe it's a blog post. If it's not, it's certainly in the most um, where they essentially made it gamification. They gamified recovery, and there are so many different recovery techniques for physical development uh, that you can pick whatever tool you want. Some of them are more efficient at one type of recovery rather than the other, um, but they try to gamify it because recovery itself is the athlete not doing work which is actually something that athletes, elite athletes struggle doing because they enjoy what they're doing or they feel like they need to get better. They don't see as recovery as something that they want to do. Um, that, that's a, a psychological part of them consistently driving towards a goal is it's actually hard to slow down and stop. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and the, yeah, John doesn't like the word goal. I do, but I, it depends on the framing that you use it in. Uh, I think uh, let me let me let me clarify. I do agree. I rant on goals all the time because of the way it's used. If we shifted the meaning of what a goal actually was, then yeah, I probably would like it. But I still can't because most of the time it's used in that way. But anyway, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So this this recovery thing that that people do, it's you need to be able to recover to be able to move forwards. And the easiest illustration of this is overreaching to avoid overtraining or overtraining syndrome. And I'm gonna explain these terms in a second but essentially you start at a baseline and then you do something there is a stimulus whether that is working physically working mentally you do something uh, and what you're doing is you're overreaching you might be overreaching just a little bit so you've you've done a little bit of work uh, and that that's fine or you could be overreaching quite a lot and if you overreach quite a lot in order to get back to baseline you'd need to rest a lot but you don't want to get back to baseline because you want to improve so what you do is you give yourself enough rest so that you can go again but not so much rest that you hit baseline uh, and if you rest too much well now you're going below baseline and now you're actually just getting worse so you want to functionally overreach i.e you want to do something that moves you forwards and then rest and recover so you can go again and it kind of becomes this zigzag of going up slowly so you go up and then you come down with the rest and recovery and then you go up again get down with the recovery and you move upwards slowly but it takes time without that rest and recovery and you go up 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 um you you will eventually hit a ceiling where you're over overtraining. that could lead to burnout might not certainly will lead to overtraining syndrome if you do it long enough and that up 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 suddenly goes down and it goes down for an extremely long time. And that baseline you started with, it, it's now been surpassed and you're now below where you started because you've just constantly gone up. So you need to be able to rest and recover so that you don't completely flop. 
Um, how do you avoid completely flopping? Well, that becomes that comes down to measuring your energy, whether that is your physical energy, your emotional energy, um, psychological energy, your drive to do certain things, uh, and how you're feeling. And this comes to fatigue, and fatigue is an experience. It's an experiential um, word. You can't define fatigue. Again, I, I've explained this in the most. Uh, fatigue is one of those words that I'm actually going to bring up in a second. It's one of those words that it depends how it's used in language that changes its meaning. So uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein, Wittgenstein, yeah, I'll go with that, um, is, was a philosopher. And what he essentially said was some words can't be defined and they change depending on the context that you use them in. He was, he was speaking specifically about knowledge in epistemology, the study of knowledge. Um, but I think it can apply to loads of other words, fatigue being one of those words, productivity being another one of those words, because depending on who says it, when they say it, and how they say it will change what it's meant by productivity. Are there going to be underlying frameworks that build up the term? Yes. Will those frameworks change depending on the context used? Also, yes. So I think the context and the nuance that the word and term is being used in needs to be explicit, not implicit. It shouldn't be, oh, yeah, you should figure that out yourself. No, because if people try and figure out themselves, they'll probably figure something else out from what you actually mean, which misinterpretations, not useful. So be explicit about how you're using those words and how they should be used, could be used, would be used uh, to make it more obvious for those that do want to learn more about whatever the word is that you're you're talking about in this case productivity beautiful <laughs> so you. this i was going to say this is this is something that's been a bit of a bugbear of mine which is why i started the mo's uh, is in sports science there are so many people talking about strength and conditioning so the anatomy and physiology of sports science there are loads of people talking about it. loads of reviews look at this paper they found this that and the other great Muscular tension, this, that, and the other. Great. Fatigue, this, that. Great. Don't care. Like, move on. <laughs> Moving on. There are so many papers talking about it, so many research reviews talking about it. But what about everything else? What about the psychosocial elements of development? I, I, I couldn't find any and still to this day can't find any, which is why I'm talking about it uh, in my mo's. Um, but also educational science just isn't spoken about. Yet every single person doing anything with regards to communication has an impact in educational science whether you're talking in this way that way that tone this tone or you're using this medium or that medium you're choosing to use these words over those words you you if you're making a video or making a podcast you cut this out why are you cutting it out what's the purpose is there a reason behind you cutting that out is there a reason why you've said something in this way or that way like me talking to myself there are so many different evidence bases for what i'm doing and it's justified Whereas a lot of other people are doing it because they feel like they should. Putting B-roll over you talking doesn't help, especially when the B-roll contradicts what you're saying, which is one of those irritating points when people say, oh, yeah, I'm going to use a gym analogy and I'm going to lift loads of weights. OK, poor technique, bad execution, um, bad actual application of what you're talking about when it comes to theory, because what you're talking about in the gym is actually a misconception. So you're educating people about a gym analogy that's wrong whilst trying to use it for productivity and self-help and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, anyway. Um, and th they're using information in a video, i.e. B-roll or association of images that isn't necessarily true. And all of those things impact how you perceive the information being shared. Yeah. And even the background music, if you put background music in a video and the music is relatively loud, 
people are going to focus on the music as well as whatever it is that you're saying. So if you're saying something that's complex or complicated for them, not necessarily for you, but for them, they won't be able to understand it. Cognitive load theory, extraneous load. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's what drew me to just completely remove. Uh, apart from in the intro of my podcast, where it's a little bit of music just to get people in. But outside of that, I removed it. Originally, my plan was to do so much more with the music because I was I was a musician. So I like music. It was telling a story. Um, and I feel that music is a great way for storytelling. But the concepts I'm talking about are not simple. And it's not for me. It's for them. So, yeah. There is, certainly just... a place, there is certainly a place for music. But when you put music in because of the cognitive load, the extreme increased cognitive load, that could be small for some people. It could be large for other people. Um, I think music works well if it's a story because a story is not difficult to understand. I use that word lightly because understanding is extremely complex, um, but it's easier to understand and follow a story than it is a concept or a topic. So you could use music in a story to emphasize certain areas of the story. But when you then start talking about a concept that requires attention, requires people to pay attention, then you want to decrease it. And Veritasium does it quite well. But I mean, he's got a sound designer, he's got graphic design, he's got a whole team behind him. Um, but he puts music in areas of a video where it's just a story, him saying, this is what happened in history. This is where the research went. Then when he starts talking about the concept, all the audio goes. Then you have a visual graphic with him talking over the visual graphic. And all of this is backed by evidence-based science. But people don't think about that when they watch the video. They just watch the video and go, oh yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, and I think even even Mr. Beast, it's funny. Mr. Beast obviously has, for those unfamiliar, biggest creator on YouTube, arguably, um, certainly earns the most money um, and gets the most views on videos. He has found the best way to keep people's attention. His videos are literally the complete opposite of what you would want to do in education. There is loud music. There is loads of cuts. There's loads of loud, expressive voices going all over the place. The story is extremely condensed. So there's very little context and nuance that's given. It's just the, the clips and the highlights and you go through it and it's kind of like a, an explosion of stuff at you. And I think that right there is the problem. I think that's where, especially, I'm, I'm going to go YouTube focus now because I touched on this. I think that's where the real issue is and where it comes from around the YouTube meta of like short, sharp, punchy videos all the time and the educational people are now doing that because they want to get more views i think it's called edutainment is that is edutainment that i think that's the word they use no it's either entertainment or education like there's a point where one takes over and i think if you focus on a mr b style video you're moving too far in the other way if you're lacking context, you're lacking that. I think you've got a good balance with your stuff right now because it's fun and engaging to watch. But I still freaking learn something. Like It's not just punching me in the face with stupid memes, which memes have a place, don't get me wrong. But when I'm there to learn, I want to learn. I want to I wanna understand things. And I think the, the issue is nobody talks about that kind of content. Like all of the youtube creators that i've seen focus on the biggest stuff which is obviously you know 
entertainment. But I did see uh, Channel Nate. You know who that is. You'll remember his name. Nate from Channel something. Channel Makers or something like that. What? Fuck, what's his name? Are you just... Yeah, hang on. Video creators? Is that what you're talking about? I don't think it's... No, not video creators. uh, Because that's someone else. What what sort of content do they make? It's a YouTube... People who want to make YouTube stuff. Nick? Dick no, Newman? no. Wow. Yeah. They're, they're the two bigger creators. Yeah, I don't think he's one of the... Well, I th- I think he's a big creator. I, I need to go right there. No, no, no. They're not quite in that same... Channel makers. There we go. Oh, channel, channel makers. makers. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's not one of the bigger channels. <laughs> no, it's it. not. Channel maker, but he all of this stuff is research based. I love mm-hmm. it. He actually goes out and does real thorough. I'm not sure whether the other ones do. I'm sure they do. I'm not saying they don't, but he shows it, which is what I find quite interesting. But there was someone in the comments talking about um some of the nuance of this, of like as a as an educational creator, the advice given doesn't fit. You have to think differently. And it's the first time I've ever seen, from my perception and my perspective, anyone saying that. It's always, oh, you just need to have a punchy thumbnail and a do this and a do that. Like the meta is generalized, which obviously that's kind of the point. But it, everyone just follows it because they think that's how to create the best content. And and Mr. Beast's whole point is he just wants to create the best content. Yep. That's why he does it in an in a um a podcast he spoke about that. That that's what he's about. Creating the best possible content. I was gonna say with, with Mr. Beast, he he has said on Marcus Brownlee's video, it was a fairly recent video, that he doesn't watch content that he makes. He doesn't he he can't stand it. He he prefers watching other videos that are educational so he listed a a load of channels that when you look at the channel they're quite big channels and they're big productions um but their views are drastically low compared to his videos because they don't attract massive audiences because they're what the economy is doing how money works or how this science thing applies to that science thing educational channels that are actually teaching people most of the time don't have that many views the only way you're going to get an educational channel that has lots of views is if they're talking about a subject or topic that's either in the news or really interesting or they're doing something that everyone can relate to which means it needs to be fairly surface level like when you look at Barry Tassim's videos um uh, get smarter every day how how I made that thing they're physics channels or uh, like mechanics channels they're building stuff which a lot of people can relate to and they're and the science behind it is overlooked, like drastically overlooked, because most people don't care. They're, they're not that interested. I mean, even, even one of the videos where Veritasium was arguing backwards and forwards between the professor, there was, there was extreme science and physics going on behind the scenes of that video, but with them talking about the, uh, I don't know whether you've seen it, but it's like a vehicle that goes forwards in the sand faster than the air, but it uses air to move it forwards. It's really cool. Physics behind it's really cool. Uh, I don't understand any of the physics, but it was a, it was a very good, good video, but there was so much physics being spoken about that like behind the scenes that wasn't mentioned because it 
it just didn't make the cut because a lot of people, it just goes straight over their heads. There was enough to get a rough understanding of what's going on. And they explained it in simple terms. Feynman's technique, sort of, not really, but um, <laughs> but they explained it so that a layman could understand it. But that was it. Like you, you could use it as a nice introduction to learning about the thing. But that was it. Uh, and that's where Veritasium has moved forward. If, if, well, like with some of his videos, he's not a challenging misconceptions as much. He's challenging his own misconceptions in shallow um, experiences of new things. But that's the difference between an educational channel that goes in depth, where some people that go into the video won't understand the first words. So they're going to have to bounce off because they don't understand the fundamental concepts. But then the bigger, the bigger videos are explaining something that's fairly open. Uh, and how the, and how the world works like a lot of those documentary style story channels like um get smarter every day at the moment is doing a series on the coast guard everyone can relate to that the science that he talks about in the video and the maths that he talks about in the video might might go over a lot of people's heads but he's already brought people into the video so it's kind of like a they bring them in through a cool story they watch they maybe find out a little bit or what most people i'm gonna guess will probably do is skip that bit or just not really pay that much attention to that bit and then carry on again, which is fine. It's, it's one way of doing a video, but if you want to teach everyone, they're, they're going to have to think like, like Derek has done a video on like science of thinking. If you're going to learn something, you need to actively think and people don't want to actively think, especially when they're on social media, <laughs> social media is training people not to think. Yeah. So, and I've, I do find that ironic how social media I think is training people not to think and people are putting educational content up and like people aren't thinking when they're going through videos they're not thinking oh yeah i'm going to note that down unless they're a note taker um or oh yeah i really need to do a practice test on this thing or i really need to make a flashcard for that video no <laughs> people aren't thinking that they're watching a video and moving on so yeah that's that's one of the conversations that i'm having i'm trying to i'm i'm making myself like in those conversations, I'm arguing with myself. So I'm making the story, the thing that they remember, like the science behind what I'm doing. I'm, I'm creating a dialogue. I'm creating an argument. So people remember the argument that I'm having with myself. But in order to remember the argument I've had with myself, they need to know what I'm talking about. And if they have to remember what I'm talking about, obviously that's retrieval practice. Uh, Monty Python is a perfect example of the argument sketch. Like they're arguing about arguing. I, I I could not remember what's anything in that room, but as soon as someone says Monty Python argument, that's the first thing I think of is them having an argument about an argument. If you don't know what I'm talking about, like get a sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> such a good sketch. Uh, and, and Monty Python and all of those sort of like uh, Blackadder, um, all, all those sort of like old traditional British humors, uh, humor comedy uh, shows use conversation to bring up topics some of the topics yeah. arguably not as um um pg nowadays i think a lot of like the faulty towers uh, sketches are like you can't show them because it upsets too many people <laughs> but yeah they, they brought up politics they brought up economics they brought up learning education they brought up so many topics everyone could relate to but basically took the mick out of it all and they, they brought an element of humor so you remember the conversation you remember the sketch you remember the scene but you also remember what they were talking about yeah I've given you so many chances to say something. You're just like, yeah. Yeah, I just agree. And I think it just... 
So we, we've had a nice rant. So what's the answer? What's the answer for who? For creators or consumers? Both. For creators, I think more responsibility in the work that they do in sharing explicit information about what they're sharing. I'm sharing my experience or I'm sharing the science that I found or that I'm going to tell you a story about this journey I went on. Uh, uh, for consumers, just be vigilant. Uh, be vigilant. And what, what I would say personally is actually find trustworthy sources. If someone says, if someone, my, my trigger, if someone says science says or research says, the first thing I do, go to the description, find the paper and see if it actually said what they said. Because nine times out of 10 from my experience from YouTube videos, people say science says either they don't have a reference, the link doesn't work, the reference is a blog, so it's not actually science, or they've looked at the paper, looked at the abstract of the paper, and I actually read the paper and gone, oh yeah, that's right. And then like when you read the conclusion, the discussion of the paper, they say, oh, all of these limitations need to be taken into account, but the person hasn't taken any of them into account. <sighs> yeah, so I'm, I'm very skeptical when I see a video or a blog or a tweet or anything that says science says this, unless it's actually like, someone that I know is scientifically inclined, which most of the time are academics. So they've got like four likes on their tweets or posts because no one cares. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just a quite, it's just a different game, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh, completely. When it, when it comes to educational science, I'm, this is me asking you now, I'm, I'm intrigued uh, as a consumer and educator. How would you prefer to consume information about educational science, because obviously traditional science, i.e. strength and conditioning and, um, and all the somewhat factual science, it's sort of blurted at you in graphs and charts and stuff. Is that how you'd want to consume information about educational science, about how to create videos? Like thinking all the way back to school, like how would you want to learn? I think there needs to be some element of enjoyment to it i think it, we need to see the way you're doing it is basically how i'd want to see it if i want to learn okay. something i'd want to see it how you do it now there needs to be a story it needs to matter so that i'm actually caring about it um would you want a long video or a short video then that's a good question because some educational videos are very long and they're very very good but you have to watch them four, five, six times to actually get all the points that they said. I, I, I can give you so many different examples of videos where I've gone. I think oh, I, I, I think really it cool, just but... I I think having a shorter video just to get the general get enough to understand, and then have an option for a longer video if that's something that you really want to dive into. I think having having the choice, yeah, which I know some... is like really impossible uh, no 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 because something that i have realized when going through a lot of the educational science research is prior knowledge is essentially like the foundation of how we learn um at prior knowledge prior expectations and experiences but the question then becomes okay if someone doesn't have the prior knowledge needed to understand this thing how do they get it? How can they understand what I'm talking about if they don't understand these conceptions that I already have in my mind, these assumptions I've made? Well, they would need to go and understand the conception or the assumption or whatever the prior knowledge would be. But sometimes those, those concepts are very, very short. They're very, okay, 
here's what it is. It's not this, it's not this, it's not this, it is this. But how, how do you get that? Where do you get that from? You'd have to go to a Google Define, which is why it's so freaking common for people to be like, Google define this term, Google define this term. But then when you're actually looking at the term, you're like, that's not how it was used in the paper. And you need, you kind of need like a, a three, four minute video about what it is and what it isn't. If that makes sense. That's, that's what I find anyway. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Because yeah. concepts aren't just words. Concepts are lots of things brought together. Any sports coach listening, if I say LTAD, they know exactly what I'm talking about, what they should do if they're any good at coaching. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, but anyone that isn't in sports coaching, LTAD, what is that? Long-term athlete development. Now you're going to have ideas. Oh, it must mean this, that, and the other. Some of them may be true. I would imagine a lot of them misinterpretations or misconceptions because that's not the field of research you know about, but you already have prior knowledge. So what my job would be as an educator to educate someone about long-term athlete development is challenge those preconceptions and misinterpretations in the video somehow. Um, I think you captured it on the, what is this, what it is, what it isn't. Hmm. I think that'd be quite interesting. I don't, I don't know many places that do that. Me either. Me either. That's, I, I've been trying. Like there's a, there is a channel on YouTube. I think it's like Encyclopedia or something where it's got like a robot that talks through the, the meanings and definitions uh, of words. Yeah, that's and not I, how we do it. No, and I'm like, oh, bored. I could just read this. Um, but yeah, so and, and just as kind of like an insight, that's something I've been thinking about in my vlogs recently, my daily vlogs that I do uh, on Patreon for anyone interested in watching me talk to a camera for 10 minutes every day um, is ex explore those those topics and videos because they are shorter videos. They're still fun to make. They're enjoyable to make. And there are loads of misconceptions and things uh, that are in there. The Feynman technique being one of those types of videos, but actually looking at some of the techniques and the concepts that people come up with in productivity and being like, what is it? What isn't it? And are the way people communicating it the same way I interpret it? Because interpretations are going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. that's annoying. I just went, yeah, but yeah. Oh, I have right. no more to add. Well, that's that's been a lovely episode loads of bits i will cut those bits out so no one will see those but uh, if you do hear any like abrupt changes it's because we've put a cut in because there were there were there were some technical issues what the hell do we title this episode that is a great question and one we can discuss not recording <laughs> good idea <laughs> <laughs>